0: was my sabbatical. It had moments of Sabbathing in it, and otherwise was quite busy, um, but good, a good kind of busy. Lots of traveling, uh, teaching at Neshoda House, uh, the opportunity for us as a family uh, to visit some other local churches here in the area, and basically bump into people that we know uh, at those churches. Uh, but it, it was good, but we are glad to be back um, at least for six weeks, and then we're going to go off for, t- I'm going to go off for two more months, but uh, I just want to say thank you to Father Steve, I know he walked in, I'm just losing exactly where he's at, there he is, thank you to Father Steve, Deacon Wally, Deacon Steve, the Vestry, and everyone else who, of course, made sure that you didn't miss me at all, so uh, so again, it's so good to be back, it's good to see some folks, Brian, I'm not sure how long you've been here in the parish back from China, but I haven't seen you, so welcome back, so, you know, uh, it's good to see you all. Um, and uh, yeah, so uh, thank you for making that possible for us as a family. Uh, and I know that we're all glad to be back. And as I mentioned, I'll be uh, actually celebrating every Sunday morning um, for Father uh, Scott down at All Saints for the month of August and even the first Sunday of September so that he can be on sabbatical. Um, so I'm excited to kind of be thrown back in the deep end. I know. Well, I'm not on sabbatical so that he can go on sabbatical. So. Um, but anyway, uh, it, is, it is good to be doing that for them. They're already using the 2019 prayer book, so I get to cut my teeth there on the new liturgy, which we'll switch to uh, on Advent 1. Um, but thank you all for, again, making it possible for, for me to be away. I also just want to say tonight that we, we gather um, in the shadow of these two mass shootings that have happened here in the States um, in the past 30 hours or so, and... It's, uh, it's, a, it's a dark situation in our world, and um, I don't want to make light of that, and I certainly want us to remember at the prayers of the people, uh, those who have died and those who are mourning, of course. And, um, but we need to continue to be faithful in our walk with the Lord in order to be a good testimony to those because ultimate peace on the earth comes through the person uh, of Jesus Christ. So we know in the days ahead uh, there'll be a lot of talk about this and um, and so we, I don't want to ignore that, uh, but also want to make sure to acknowledge that we'll give space to that, obviously, in our prayers this evening. Well, I wrote a sermon this week for the first time in a couple of months, and so it was great to have an opportunity uh, to, to be doing that. And um, in one sense, uh, Providence made it easy, uh, giving me this passage from Colossians coupled with uh, the gospel in particular. And so, as we heard these words from the Apostle Paul in Colossians 3, we see Paul really doing kind of two things. The first thing he does is he wants to communicate to the believers in in Colossae and to us that we've been raised with Christ, but we've been raised with Christ for a purpose. And the second thing he wants to do is to think about the way in which we need to put sin to death in our life. And so those are really, in general, the two things that he's doing, but the consequences of that are quite, quite large, quite important, in fact. And so the first part, raise, in order to live a transformed life, occurs in those first four verses. And Paul does two things there. First, he says, we've been raised with Christ. So the context of this passage, not the context as in the sense of just the book of Colossians, but the context of this passage is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, we've put the green on to kind of say that we're in this different season, but of course we live and worship in light of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is an ongoing reality because Jesus was raised from the dead and 40 days later he ascended to the right hand of the father where he still is Paul tells us here in Colossians and so the context here is Jesus has been raised from the dead and sits at the right hand of the father and we too have been raised with him So Paul says because we've been raised with Christ we are then to seek the things that are above Why because Christ is seated at the right hand of God. So we've been raised with Christ, so we need to seek the things above. Why? Well, because Jesus is there above. Whatever this above is, and we'll get there in a moment, Jesus is there above, and we need to seek those things, those things that are proper to him who is seated at the right hand of God. So as resurrected people, the expectation has been placed on us to seek the things that are above. But verse 3, because we have died, the implication if we're resurrected people is what? That we died. And so because we have died, verse 3, Paul also says, set your minds on things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. So now we're starting to get a sense of what is this above that Paul's talking about? Well, it's not the things that are on earth. So seek the things that are above because we've been raised with Christ, but also set our minds on the things above because our life is hidden with Christ in God. So because we've died, we can set our minds on things that are above. Because we've been raised with Christ, we can seek the things that are above. The pattern is something like this. There's a theological truth, and that is that we've been raised with Christ and we've died. That's the truth. But then there's a command that comes out of that theological truth. Seek the things that are above and set your minds on the things that are above. And then there's this kind of Christological support. Well, how can I seek and how can I set my minds on those things that are above? Well, Christ is up there at the right hand of the Father, and your life is hidden with Christ and God. Thereby, it makes it possible for you to do these things. As you recall, Brendan graduated from high school back in May. Brendan, I'm going to use you your illustration here tonight, sorry. Um, but um, he got gifts, of course, monetary gifts, the best kind when you're graduating from high school. And he came to us and he said, I know what I'm going to do with my money. I'm finally going to get the Apple Watch I've been talking about getting. Now, Brendan has wanted an Apple Watch for a few years. So a few years ago it started, I want an Apple Watch. And we said, I don't know, Brendan, what's the difference between a text in your pocket and a text on your wrist? Right? If they're coming from me, you're still going to ignore them. (laughs) So what what are you really gaining by having this Apple Watch? You know, you're going to be distracted in class, at school, you don't need an Apple Watch, you don't need an Apple Watch. And this was not because I was buying it, but Brendan was gaming, like if I get this amount of money for Christmas, I probably can afford an Apple Watch. And so... We talked him down, or at least it felt like we talked him down the first time from getting He didn't get one. Then about six months later, his birthday came around. You know what? I think I am going to get that Apple Watch after all. All right, so we, okay, again, da-da-da-da-da, we kind of talked him down, or at least we felt like we talked him down, but the point is he didn't get one. And I don't know if there was a third round of Brennan talking about getting an Apple Watch. I think there was. Christmas probably came around again. I'm going to get an Apple Watch. Okay, Every six months, I'm trying to convince him not to get an Apple Watch, and he didn't. But then this year, with that money from graduation, Brendan said, I'm getting an Apple Watch. And I thought, you know, that money was a gift to you. If an Apple Watch is the gift that you want to get as a result of that, plus you're getting ready to turn 18, go for it. So Brendan has an Apple Watch. Now, Brendan had sought that Apple Watch for a while. Right? He had set his mind on having an Apple Watch for a while. And we kept talking him out of it and talking him out of it and talking him out of it. But it it didn't go away. I thought it did, but it kept coming back. He had clearly set his mind on wanting to have that Apple Watch. And so eventually, not only had he set his mind on it, but he sought it out. And he bought it. And I think mostly it's been a good thing, in fact, because it tells him when he's not being active and things like that. It's pretty... It's pretty ama- it does a better job than I can, I've ever done with getting him to be moving and things like that. So I'm all for it now. But the point is, he had set his mind, I want an Apple Watch. But then he was seeking it. And that's what we are being told to do, to set our minds on the things that are above. So we have to have a disposition to want to aspire to these things that are above. And then we need to not just set our minds on them, but we need to seek them. Right? Well, what does that mean? Well, Paul gets to that beginning in verse 5 right? Put to death, mortify, make dead, therefore what is earthly in you. So the, the distinction here is not material, dirty, mucky, earthly things and spiritual things, because God created everything and said that it was good. So this is not matter versus spirit or immaterial versus materiality. No, this is earthly versus spiritual. And what are these earthly things? Well, at least some of them are sexual immorality, impurity. I'm just reading Paul here. Passion, evil desire, covetousness, idolatry, anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk. And there's more, but that's the examples that Paul gives here. See, these earthly things of being sexually immor- immor- immoral, being impure, being passionate in, in, in a sinful ways, having evil desires, covetous, idolatries, those are the earthly things that we need to just leave behind. So what are these things above then? Well, proper sexual morality. Things that are pure. Things that are desirable, but not in an evil sense. To not be covetous, to not be idolatrous, to to be peaceable, not wrathful and angry, to have no malice, have no slander. That's the things that are above. And that's what we are to aspire to. That's what we're to both seek and set our minds on, or maybe do it the other opposite uh, sense, set our minds on those things and then seek them. Right? Because what we strive after says something about us, does it not? Those things that we set our minds on and seek after say something about us. And in Brendan's case, it Said he wanted to get his texts and other things right on his wrist. When I was 18, I was perfectly content for my parents. They have no idea where I was at, <laughs> right? Even more so as a 16 year old, right? And the days before, your parents could know where you were at all the time. But, but we need to have our minds set on these things that are, that are not of this list, but of a different sort of a godly sort, of a Christ like sort. And so we set our minds on those things. And then we, we seek those things. Because we've died with Christ, we need, no, even we must put to death what is earthly and we must put them away, right? In other words, we're not to be double-minded like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm choosing to commit these sins, but I'm desirous not to. No, they come together, right? That we need to not only set our minds on those things but to put them away because we've been raised with christ we must put on the the new self paul says in verse 10 and not only put on this new self but we need to then practice those things that are consistent with that new self to use brennan as the example again brennan's collecting corporate uniforms so he worked at knott's berry farm last summer and then when he went to return his Knott's Berry Farm uniform like he was supposed to, the office was closed, so we still have it, right? Because I said to him, you don't need to go back a second time. That's ridiculous. They should have been there. You should have just left it laying on the ground. It's their problem. It says something about me, as you know. And so, so now we have a Knott's Berry Farm uniform. Well, this year he got hired at the new Chick-fil-A in La Mirada, Come to find out the new Chick-fil-A in La Marata hired way too many people. So Brendan only worked a few days and then he actually didn't have a job. But now we have a Chick-fil-A uniform hanging in our house as well. Yes, Halloween comes, let us know. We are we will loan these out to you, right? So the point is, is like, I could put on the, I think I could probably even fit into that Knott's Berry Farm uniform. I could, I could put that on and I could even go outside and sweep up trash and feel like I worked at Knott's Berry Farm, but I wouldn't be working at Knott's Berry Farm. I'd be playing the role of working at Knott's Berry Farm. I could do the same at Chick-fil-A. It's weird. Why would I do it? But I could, right? I could walk into a Chick-fil-A and look like the employee at Chick-fil-A maybe to get a discount. Oh, I shouldn't say that out loud. There's poor students in the room, so don't do that. But we can't just put on these things. We have to practice. These things, these not costumes, the new self is not a costume we put on, but we put it on in order to practice these things, to do those things that are consistent with this new self, these Christ-like thoughts and practices that are above, not things of the earth. And perhaps the greatest example tonight that we're given is the reading from the gospel. Better to be rich toward God than to have material Possessions. Think about this story. Jesus gaining a reputation, um, at least as a teacher, that's what this person refers to him as. Someone in the crowd, we're not even given the poor person's name. Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. I appreciate Deacon Steve's reading of this tonight. I, I would be tempted to read that in a little more whiny manner, right? You know, like, mom, dad, tell him to share that with me. Right? I want to play with it too. Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Right? So, I, mean, I don't know, this man maybe heard about who Jesus was and thought, if Jesus tells my brother to share the inheritance, he's going to listen. I don't know, because this guy Jesus is a teacher has authority. And Jesus says to him, and I don't know how Jesus would have said this, because I'm imagining Jesus saying, man, <laughs> you know, but like, man, who made me judge or arbitrator over you? Like, why are you asking me this? You know, why are you asking me to do this? What, what role do I have to do this? And then the next thing I think the man really realizes is his mistake, because he gets a lesson. And not a lesson on how to behave and not bother people about things they have no business arbitrating, but instead he gets a lesson about being covetous. So Jesus says to this man, take care. And be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. I can imagine the man thinking, but I deserve that half of the inheritance. Why are you calling me covetous? I just want what's coming to me. I just want what's mine. But Jesus frames it in the context of being covetous. And Jesus does what he's so great at. He tells a story. He tells a parable. The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I know what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones so I can store more. Because I can store more, it'll last longer. And then I can eat, drink, and be merry and not have to worry about where my food's coming from, my, my livelihood's coming from. That seems sort of reasonable to me. Good year of abundant harvest, need somewhere to put it. Anyway, the point is, this man is clearly thinking wrongly, and Jesus is telling of it, because he wants to store it and then, I think, get complacent. So, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, and again, I don't know how to say this, because I'm trying to imagine God saying, fool, but God says, fool, right, exclamation point, fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? Right? In other words, why are you thinking about this kind of outer self? Why are you thinking about the earthly things, about having food, about having an abundance, and you can just eat, drink, and be merry? You need to be thinking about where your soul is at. What does it say about your soul that you want to tear down these barns and build bigger ones? Now, for two and a half years, we lived in Minnesota, and our best friends there were farmers. And I grew up in rural Virginia, but I didn't know any farmers in the way that we got to know Rick and Ann. And so Rick's brother and uh, father and his uncle were third, fourth generation farmers. And they had gotten rid of their dairy cattle sometime before we moved there in the 90s because that was proving not to be profitable anymore. So they mostly raised corn, but not corn for eating. This was corn for selling to make ethanol and those kinds of things. And so for two years, I lived into the rhythm with them, to some extent, on the farm. Right? So after the thaw happens, they go out, they plow things under. (laughs) And I know what Christina's thinking now, our friend Rick plow to plow under. So plowed under, plant, water, Lord willing, knee high by the 4th of July. That's how you know if your corn is doing well. Knee high by the 4th of July. And the corn would grow and come the end of the summer and end of the early fall, they would think about, okay, now it's time to harvest the corn. They start, they quit watering it. They start letting it dry on the stalk and they're waiting for it to hit up a certain kind of dryness and they go out and they have to harvest it. And then they have to put it in the silo and they might have to dry it to get it down to a particular uh, moisture so that it doesn't rot in the silo. And then uh, before you know it, the winter's back on, right? They kind of plow up a little bit. The winter comes and then uh, the winter, they play a little bit in the winter, and then in the spring they have to start thinking about taking that corn to the city, so they start watching the prices of corn and the price of gas because they have to haul it to the city. And, and the whole point of all this is, is to try to make a profit because this is their livelihood. And then the next year, they repeated it. Of course, I was there for two years. We left Minnesota 20 years ago this week. So for 20 years, 20 more cycles, Rick and Ann and his family have farmed. And so I, I, I came to learn about farming in the sense of like the dependence that you have on the good yield of crops. And so I get, in one sense, this man saying like, wow, what a great year. Look at all this food. Maybe I could take next year off. And Jesus saying, no, you're thinking wrongly. You're not thinking about your soul. You're thinking about earthly things. So what a great example to us. is like, well, what does this mean to care about earthly things or to care about spiritual things over these earthly things? Well, again, there's that list of things, but it's more than that. It's to, it's to think about the way that, that we have been resurrected with Christ and that we, in one sense, sit with him at the right hand of the Father, that we have, we have died and been resurrected. We put on this new self. We're new people. And so we need to choose things that are above. As one commentator wrote, those who become Christians enter on a share in the risen risen life of Christ, and their own life must now take a different direction and be ruled by their relation to their ascended Lord." As Christians, our own lives must now take a different direction. It's consequences to being a Christian, right? And so as Christ is ascended, we now take a different direction because we have to be ruled by our relation to, relationship to our ascended Lord. And this is summed up nicely in the collect for Ascension Day. Now, Ascension Day is one day out of the year, and there's two collects appointed for it. So you could actually never hear this collect. But a collect for Ascension Day says this, As we believe your only begotten Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, to have ascended into heaven so we may also in heart and mind there ascend, and with him continually dwell. So the word of God's challenge to us tonight, God's word to us tonight, is to call us up to this resurrected life that we have, that we've, as believers, put on this new self, and therefore we can no longer dwell on earthly things, but we must set our minds on, and seek after those things which are above the earthly things. And I don't know what those are for you, but part of what we have to do is determine in what ways are we being earthly people? We have to figure out, where am I at? Am I building a bigger barn? Am I eat, drinking, and being merry when I should be attending to my soul instead? So where are you at? Ask God to show you. In prayer with God, let him shine his light upon you and show you the ways in which you are not seeking and setting your minds on the things above, but on things of the earth. And as he illuminates that, ask him to help you to live in the reality of being resurrected and ascended with Jesus so that your heart and mind can ascend there and so that you can practice and seek and set your minds on these things that are above. That is what God is calling us to this evening. And through the grace that comes by way of the sacrament and through the empowerment of his Holy Spirit, it's possible. So may we hear the word of God to us this evening. May we find out where we are being earthly people and instead put those off and put on and practice those things which are above. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.